0: Hey, New Vision, this is Ben Curtis. and As we continue our podcast through the book of Judges, we've been attempting to see ourselves in this story. And so today we're going to read uh, the last section about Gideon here in Judges 8. And there's something I want us to kind of keep in the back of our minds as we read this account. Uh, Gideon is mentioned in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, as one of the people uh, in, in the Old Testament that tr- displayed a tremendous faith in God. And so after we've read uh, what we've read up to this point and what we're about to read, you know, sometimes we read some of these characters we find in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. We kind of scratch our heads because it's a, it's a mixed bag. And so we need to kind of sort that out. But this is Joshua 8, um, 22 through 35, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you as well as your sons and your grandsons, for you delivered us from the power of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you, the Lord will rule over you. Then he said to them, Let me make a request of you. Everyone give me an earring from his plunder. Now the enemy had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. They said, We agree to give them. So they spread out a cloak, and everyone threw an earring from his plunder on it. The weight of the gold earrings he requested was 43 pounds of gold, in addition to the crescent ornaments and ear pendants, the purple garments on the kings of Midian, and the chains on the necks of their camels. Gideon made an ephod from all of this and put it in Orphra, his hometown. Then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. So Midian was subdued before the Israelites, and they were no longer a threat. The land had peace for 40 years during the days of Gideon. Zerubel, that is Gideon, son of Joash, went back to live at his house. Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, since he had many wives. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him... Abimelech, which interestingly enough means my father is king. Then Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Then When Gideon died, the Israelites turned and prostituted themselves by worshiping the Baals and made Baal, Berith their god. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hand of the enemies around them. They did not show kindness to the house of Zerubbabel, that is Gideon, for all the good that he had done for Israel. So we have have kind of seen these snapshots of the life of Gideon. And Gideon's life changes quite dramatically from, from his early career to the end of his career. In these, in these verses that we're reading uh, today, we're kind of at the end of all of Gideon's uh, victory campaigns, and now this section is kind of talking to us about the spoils of war. Uh, you know, he's been very successful, and so much so the people of Israel offer him a dynasty. They want him to be the king, and, and really they want the assurance that things are going to continue on the same, um, because there's been success, there's been blessing, and Here's what's interesting. Gideon says no with his lips. He he tells them, Yahweh, the Lord, will rule over you, not me, not my son, not my grandson. But he says that with his lips. But then he does something with his actions that really only a king would do. He takes a ton of money from the enemy and claims it for himself. and And then here's the kicker. To top it all off, he he makes an ephod. Uh, this is an object of gold. It could. Could either be like a priestly uh, breastplate that we read about in the Old Testament that the priest wore, or it could have even been a covering that was made for an object to worship. But Gideon makes one of these for himself. So, you know, here he is as a deliverer, as a judge, and, you know, you kind of see him now. He's acting the part of the king. He's even named one of his. Uh, children, uh, my dad, my father is king, and uh, and now he's also kind of taking on this priestly role uh, by making this priestly garment. It's interesting. There's no mention of the Levites. You would expect to hear about them. There's no mention of the tabernacle or the ark of the covenant. Instead, Gideon is creating his own version of God's plan for for salvation of his people, and and this makes him tremendously powerful. We see this prophet, this king, but also this priest. And, and Gideon is assuming a role that really God had not given him to assume. And, uh, and God definitely does not like Gideon's creativity. We know this from chapter 8, verse 27. Uh, this is the narrator talking, but I think we can assume this is God's assessment of all of this. He says, then all of Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. Uh, So, uh, Tim Keller, I really liked this summary uh, of Gideon's transformation. Uh, When Gideon was a reluctant, frightened recruit, he so deeply distrusted his own competence that he needed multiple assurances from God that he would be helped by his grace. But by the end of his life, Gideon had built an empire and is pursuing advantage for his own family and his own glory rather than God's. He no longer goes to God for assurance, he is quite sure of himself, and so he fails. It's, it's, it's kind of a scary reminder uh, of the danger of success. You know, I thought about the Lord of the Rings here, I couldn't help but to think about that story. If you've read the books or watched the movie, uh, this series is all about the travels of this powerful ring. It starts with a young hobbit named Smeagol, and uh, he gets the ring by actually killing his friend who had found it while fishing. and and Smeagol lives on for over 600 years, and he just kind of becomes this uh, just wretched, distorted creature. We we eventually know him by the name Gollum. And then Bilbo comes along and, and tricks Gollum out of this ring, and, and Gollum nearly goes crazy after that. But then the ring, even though Bilbo is this good-hearted hobbit, uh, the ring even starts to affect Bilbo. It starts to exert a power over him and 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 everyone wants it everyone thinks that if only i had the ring i could wield its power for good and but what we find out the ring keeps destroying people and and even clutches into the heart of 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 young frodo it's a snare really to his heart it's it's just a ring but it's so much more than that so frodo has to destroy this ring and uh, so so that's a that's kind of an illustration i think of of what we have here and it's a good illustration of of idolatry and sin. What are the ephods? What are the rings in your life? I mean, what do you have to have in order to live? And these are your idols. And we all struggle with these power and it may be comfort. Uh, It may be independence. It may be work or achievement or success or family. There could be so many more. And a lot of these are good things that we make ultimate things. That's really what an idol is. But we're all being tempted, uh, just like Gideon, to set up a rival kingdom with one of these things, one of these idols at the center, think about what you have. You know, you can, you can start to ask questions like, what would make my life miserable if it were instantly gone? What would make me angry if, if I don't get it? Uh, these are some good questions that, that will help us to kind of diagnose and identify some of the places where you and I might have kingdoms set up in our own hearts. Gideon started his career Here's the irony, by tearing down the bell centers of worship, he, he went and tore them down. But then once he's in power and he's achieved success through God's grace and God's strength, then now we see him setting up this rival kingdom to gods and leading the people into worshiping something that seemed so right, but it was so wrong. Uh, and it's, it's easy for that to happen. It's so easy uh, to worship a, a God plus something, God plus career, or God plus security, or God plus materialism. Many of these God plus gods, I'll tell you this, they're sneaky, and they can, they can get into our lives in ways that we didn't anticipate. They can come into our lives through our successes. We get a little success, and it goes to our head. We start out humble, and we start out with a servant mentality, but then we end up overconfident and so sure of ourselves and proud. I made it. I did it. Look at what I've done. I deserve it. And we really need to work hard to root these things out. Um, as, as I think about Gideon and, and the book of Judges, you know, anytime we read the Old Testament narratives and, uh, you know, you, you have different ways of applying and, and interpreting these. And, and one approach is just, let's just take a moralistic approach for just a minute. If we do that, if we make all this just good moralistic stuff, well then, okay, here's the application. Look at Gideon. Find all the things we should do. Find the other things we shouldn't do. And so the application would be, be like Gideon in all of these faithful moments, but don't be like Gideon in his weak moments. And, uh, and I think that's the wrong approach. I think if we take that approach, uh, we come up with this stale, one-dimensional kind of cardboard character, uh, but the real Gideon is not like that. The real Gideon is a complicated person. In fact, he's a lot like us. Because on the one hand he's he's used by God, he's filled with the Spirit of God at different times, and early on, even though his faith is fragile and weak, God still uses him and and does great things through him. But these last few paragraphs are just a reminder to us that uh, we can't make assumptions, and, and you know, really, Gideon didn't finish well. Uh, he drinks from the poison of success, and then he leads his people into a a peaceful but but disastrous way of life. You know, as I think back, I, I've been really judgmental at times. I've I've looked at leaders who have fallen into sin and and I've written them off because I made the false assumption that following God is really easy. I mean you just know what God wants and you do it, right? I mean it's simple, but it's really not. And and you know it's hard. There are seasons there are ups there are downs there are times where my heart is filled with faith and courage and then there's times where I'm just uh, plagued by unbelief I'm I'm filled with uh, contradictions I set up rival prophets and priests and kings in my life just like Gideon but here's what we need to know Jesus Christ is the only true prophet, priest, and king. He's the only Redeemer, and and we need to turn over the places of worship in our lives to Him, the true and living God. It's important to remember, again, I I mentioned this at the beginning as I read the passage, but just I want to bring you back to it, that Gideon is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a man of faith. And, and, uh, you know, that's true. He was, but that doesn't mean that people of faith always have lives that are put together. We don't. Uh, there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of brokenness. Uh, he's a lot like me. He's a lot like you. And, and really, in a strange way, um, that should give us some hope. Uh, we don't we don't have to be perfect for god to use us. Now, I wouldn't bank on the fact that god always works with people like this at the end of their lives. I, I wouldn't just continue, you know, trying to be your own king. Now that you know what god thinks about it and how he feels about it, I would repent. That's the best way. And thankfully, god forgives. He he in fact, even though god is tough on sin, we see that, he's also gracious to his people when when they repent and and He's even gracious when, sometimes when we don't repent too. So He's a gracious, He's a good God. So repent and believe. So today, as you go about your day, are you filled with maybe there's some anxiety? Maybe there's some pride, anger, there's guilt, there's boredom. Uh, just ask God to help your unbelief. Maybe you're at the point where you realize you've been kingdom making and you're tired of it. Just release the kingdom to God's rule and God's reign um, the message of the gospel is not shape up, get your act together. The gospel is for sinners like me and you. And so don't be surprised by sin when you see it, when it sneaks into your life. Uh, pray that God would deliver us from evil. We need deliverance. Uh, even though we're believers, we still need deliverance from the power and the presence of sin in our lives. And, and maybe today you're just burdened with guilt. And maybe like Gideon when he was younger, you're, you're full of fears. Run to Christ and find your refuge because he's the only leader, the prophet, the priest, and the king who will not disappoint us in the end. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's Word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.